0: I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. Bless you, each and every one of you. Thank you for joining Faith Talk Podcast. I am your host, Lolita Jones. And we are in our spiritual renewal consecration, which is sponsored by Life Changers Ministry, in which I oversee. I thank God for you coming in to tune into our Faith Talk our podcast on today. Oh, is there a word from the Lord? Yes, it is. This word, this word is coming from, it's a mighty word, y'all. It's coming from Elder Anthony Presley from Richmond, Virginia, a mighty man of God. Get your notebook and your pen, get ready to take notes. God bless
1: you. Praise the Lord. We are going to dive in today, and today we're going to talk about a new theme. I want to talk about understanding the kingdom of God. This is a concept that I believe that we hear a lot, but I don't believe that I often hear the, uh, what I would say the fulfillment of the understanding of what Jesus was referring to. Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God probably more than he spoke about anything else. Uh, every time you see Jesus open up a discourse in the Bible, he almost always began it with, the kingdom of God is like this. And yet the kingdom, even though we use the phrase all the time, I feel like it's probably the least understood concept that was brought in by the Bible, uh, by, um, that we have in our current time, I should say. This a theme is something that I want us to dive in on today. The, we need to understand a new beginning. John 12 and 24, it says it this way, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. What does that mean? That means the old has to pass away in order for God to bring us into the new. Let's understand this concept of the kingdom that God has been talking to me and my spirit about repeatedly to make sure that we understand in these last and evil days, and we are certainly in the last and evil days, we need to be able to move forward in understanding the thing that Jesus spoke about the most, which is the kingdom of God. Let's dive on in. Praise you, Lord. On the Old Testament uh, and then moving into the New Testament when J- Jesus was born, you'll see different themes that were happening, that, uh, different misconceptions that we've had in the church. You can literally go through the seven churches of, uh, in the book of Revelation. You can look at different scenes that have happened throughout history, and you'll see there's a lot of different things that were happening. There's a lot of power that was laid out in different uh Centuries. There's a lot of revelations that fell. For example, the revelation of the rapture was just given after Jesus to Paul in the book of Thessalonians, where he wrote the book of Thessalonians. That was the first time the church had an understanding of a concept of a rapture. Prior to that, all through the Old Testament, they never understood that thing. Well, there's like things are poured out through generations. There's also misconceptions that you can actually find through different generations of the church, some of them a little bit comical. I'll give you one. Looking at John, um, John uh, in the Bible, Jesus said at one point to his disciples, they were asking about John, and Jesus said, what is it to you if John should live until I return. He didn't say John would live until he returned. He said, What is it to you? But the misconception that went forth from there throughout what seemed to be the entire body of church at that time was that John would still be alive when Jesus came back, when this. This rapture would happen that john would still be there well that's not quite how it happened but the church was believing that in the old times there's actually a couple of verses in the bible one in matthew 16 i remember right at the end where jesus even says this he says some of you standing here now will see me come into my kingdom Now, what in the world does that mean? Because obviously Jesus is still coming in the future, and he's still going to bring the kingdom in the future, and that was 2,000 years ago. So what did he mean by some of you will still be alive? and see me coming into my kingdom. Well, if you look at the very next chapter in Matthew 17, that uh, the, well, was the Transfiguration, and they actually saw Jesus, what we would call possessing the kingdom at that time, or more specifically, John, who was there, would later be on the Isle of Patmos and write the book of Revelation. And when he was writing the book of Revelation, he got this book by a vision, and that vision was literally him seeing Jesus come coming into his kingdom. It was a futuristic vision and not the physical fulfillment. But with all these things wrapped together, a lot of the church believed that John would still be alive. And so what happens is, as the apostles, you know, in the Old Testament, many of the apostles were killed. Uh, Peter was uh, crucified upside down. You know, they, they, had, they went through a lot of persecution. But John, who was the youngest of them, continued to carry on. He was alive. He stayed. He was the oldest, the longest living. And it got to the point where the Caesar at the time decided that he was going to end this thing himself, and he decided to kill John. So the last of the apostles to attempt to be martyred was at this time when uh, Caesar put John and boiled him in hot oil. Problem was, he had not yet seen Jesus come into his kingdom. He had not yet received the revelation of uh, the book of Revelation he didn't boil. He said, when John came up out that oil and he didn't boil, you can imagine how crazy the church went, how much they were on fire at that point. They just knew Jesus was coming back. Oh, see what we told you, John can't die until he comes back. Well, no, that wasn't quite the definition, but what what ended up happening was because he didn't boil, then he was sent off to that isle, the isle of Patmos, where he received the vision. Now we are able to see what's coming in the future. The book of Revelation was laid on John, and he. Saw Jesus coming into the kingdom. And Revelation 4:1, he actually heard a voice say, Come up here, and a door opened, and he was transported into the future where he saw this thing, wrote it down, gave us the book of Revelation, and then passed away a short time after that. Well, the church didn't quite have that right. <laughs> but You understand, some of these things can be comical, but that was one of the misconceptions that they had, even in the olden days. I want to talk about the kingdom of God here, because I feel that it's time that this thing is released where we have an understanding of what Jesus actually means when we say the kingdom of God. Now, it's not like the John thing where they completely had a misconception about what was going on. We say the kingdom of God, and we're not saying it in an incorrect form. We're simply not fully understanding the magnitude of what something is talking about when Jesus described it every time he opened his mouth. Every time he opened his mouth, he would say the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. He goes on to describe this kingdom in Matthew 13 as the thing that everyone wants. Not only is it what he calls the thing, and I'm not talking about just religious people. He says this is what the world wants. In Matthew 11, he says the world is violently pressing their way into this kingdom. The kingdom of heaven Suffer violence with a violent one. In other words, when you see this, you would want it with everything that's in you if you understood what this thing is. Back to Matthew 13, Jesus described it this way. He said it's like a pearl that a man sees, and when he realizes the pricelessness, the value of this pearl, he goes and sells everything that he has. And after he sells everything he has, he takes all of the money that he has just to buy that one pearl. He said that's how the kingdom of God is. When you understand what this thing is, you'd be willing to give up everything to get this thing. It is the restoration of Eden. It is the restoration of authority of God on earth in our lives. To, and it is the power in which Jesus operated. Let's dive into this thing. And let's go into Matthew chapter 4. I want to break something down for us here. There, I opened this by saying a seed of wheat must go into the ground and die, according to John chapter 12, in order for food. Fruit to then be produced. This is the way that Jesus moves. This is the way that the kingdom operates. And you'll find this theme throughout the Bible. Let me prove it to you. In uh, the Old Testament, coming from Genesis to Exodus, in Exodus, you will see the children of Israel exiting Egypt. They're coming out of slavery and bondage of Egypt. God does a great miracle and opens up the Red Sea, and they go out of Egypt. And then God promises them something. He says, I'm going to give you a promised land, a land that I have of milk and honey that is for you. However, what you'll notice is those people did not obtain the promise because they did not have understanding and they did not let the old pass away in order for the new to be birthed. Let me break it down for you a little bit more. They came out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in them. They came out of slavery, but you see, even when Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, by the time he got back down, they had done, built themselves a molten calf out of their gold earrings. They had built themselves the gods of Egypt, and were back to worshiping the same gods. You saw when they got to the brink of the promised land, they did not have the faith that they could defeat the giants that they saw, even though they had seen God open up their entire sea. They had seen God perform miracles. They had seen God pull water out of a rock, and yet they failed to have faith to 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 be able to conquer giants because they had not before seen giants. They still had Egypt in them. They did not let the old go, so they could not proceed. Into the promised land. So, what happens is God says, because you did not have faith, I'm not going to allow this blessing to land on you. Only the two people that came back with a good report, Joshua and Caleb, will ever see this promised land. But the rest of you, I'm going to let you walk around in the wilderness for 40 years before I allow you, or your children, to enter into this place. God has spoken to me many times and said, that is the status of the church in today's time. Many of us are walking around in the wilderness because we do not believe enough in what we've seen, even in the word of God, to enter into that next place. let let the old pass away so that the new can come afresh. So Moses then represents the old, even though Moses has faith, even though Moses is the one that brings him out of Egypt, he still represents the law. So when it comes time, 40 years later, when it comes time for the children of Israel, they have passed away and their children are now here, to enter into that promised land, God allows Moses to die right before they go into the promised land. Moses dies, does not enter, and then with oh, a new thing they then enter into the promised land and immediately begin conquering new territory, the territory of Jericho. God always allows whoever is in charge of the previous, what we call a dispensation, a time period in which God moves a certain way, that has to end. Your old mindset has to end, has to die away. The old lack of has to end. Our reliance of the world system has to be completely cut off in order for us to truly Enter into the next phase, which is the kingdom of heaven. Let me show this to you again. In the future, in the book of Revelation, there are different things that are happening, and different themes. And one of the things that are happening, there are seals being broken, and there are trumpets that are sounding. Well, in Revelation 11, we get to the exact halfway point of Revelation. In Revelation, there is a seven-year time period in the future in which the world will go through a new dispensation where the world goes through what Jesus describes as the worst time to that the world has ever seen. Crazy things are happening on the earth. And every time one of these trumpets blast, something crazy happens on the earth. A mountain comes down from heaven, which we know is an asteroid, and destroys one-third of the waters. The waters turn to blood. The, the, the sun is blotted out. There's crazy things, are coming up from out of the ground and singing people. Every time one of these trumpets sound, something crazy hits the earth, except when that seventh one sounds, the last one. When the seventh one sounds, see, while these things are happening, there are these prophets. Elijah and an unnamed prophet, who I believe is Edict. Some people will tell you Moses. We don't have to debate that today. But uh, Elijah and the unnamed prophet are going to be there declaring these things over the world. And when the Seventh trumpet sounds at the exact halfway point. God allows nothing to happen in the earth and in the heavens except Elijah dies. There is a death, and then there is a transition. Immediately after that, you'll see in Revelation 11, there's voices in heaven that says, now the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our God. In the the chapter before that, it tells you, in the Revelation 10, when the seventh trumpet sounds, the mystery of God will be complete. And what you'll notice is there is death of Elijah at the transition prior to what's called the kingdom of God coming physically on this earth. After this, there's a a three-and-a-half-year time period where it gets worse. But then at the end of that, God is going to sit himself directly physically on a throne in Jerusalem, and we rule and reign with Christ. But prior to all of this happening, there is a death and a transition because God says the old has to pass away. Now, I'm giving you this background just so you have understanding of what we're looking at in the Bible. See, that is before God comes physically and makes a physical kingdom on this earth. But Jesus said, I brought the kingdom already, but I brought it in spirit, and you have to find it by faith. Jesus says, I brought this thing. This is what you should be excited about. This is what all the old testament prophets were prophesying about, even in Isaiah 9 and 6 that we say every Christmas time, and unto us a son is a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. What did he bring? A government, a kingdom, a country. He brought a political atmosphere, not a religion, but an actual government that is invisible but it is just as powerful now in the invisible as it will be when God physically sits himself on the throne. It is here now. You simply have to understand what it is we're after. And when you understand what it is we're after and what we have, you can access this thing and the power of it. So in in the future, before God brings the physical kingdom, he says, Elijah has to come and die. It, the Old Testament ends by saying in the book of Malachi, the very last two verses, it says, I'll send my servant Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord. That's referring to Elijah coming and that Elijah passes away prior to God bringing his physical kingdom. Well, the same concept you'll see happen before Jesus brings a spiritual kingdom. But in Matthew 11 and in Matthew 17, Jesus refers to John the Baptist as the spiritual elijah so therefore john the baptist has to die prior to jesus bringing this kingdom. I want to show you this in the Word of God. John the Baptist goes to jail, and he ends up dying in jail, and if you'll notice, you'll see the same transition. Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 12, it says, now when Jesus heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. It then says he had to go to Galilee because the prophet says that he starts his ministry in Galilee. Then you get down to verse 17, and it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You'll find the same thing in Mark chapter 1. It says, when Jesus heard that John went to jail, he then began to preach, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's time to repent. Luke sixteen sixteen says the law and the prophets, that's the Old Testament, were until John. After that, the kingdom is preached and everyone presses into it. Everybody wants this thing when they realize what it is, but it started at the end of a dispensation, a transition. When we let the old man die in 2022 and we bring out a new man of faith with a new expectation, with a new praise in our belly, with a new understanding of the kingdom of God, we will see a manifestation of new miracles, but the old mindset has to die. Let me talk to you about this mindset. Uh, now that I've given you the background, let me dive in and show you what this thing is. If you go to the next chapter of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, after Jesus declares that the kingdom of God is now here, John has now gone to prison, and now we are transitioning to a new thing. Once you see that, you'll then understand that what Jesus is doing, what we call the Beatitudes that begins it, what Jesus is actually declaring is a declaration of of the constitution of the government in which he brought. Let me break that down again. Jesus is going to refer to this thing never as a religion. You never hear Jesus be religious. You never hear him talk about religious things. He talks about a government, a constitution, a kingdom, because he is a king ruling and reigning even in the invisible, and the invisible is far more powerful than the visible. Hebrews 11 and 3 tells you that the worlds were framed by the word of God, and the things that we see were created by things that we cannot see. What that simply means is that things that we cannot see are more powerful than the things that we can see. So this invisible kingdom is what is ruling and reigning everything on earth, even though you cannot see it. And when you understand this constitution, you'll be able to move this thing in your favor and, when you move it in your favor, it makes the rules of this world no longer apply. Let me say that again. When you understand the government of God, this kingdom of God, the rules of this world no longer matter because God bends those rules based on the rules of his government. This is why Jesus showed us his power by walking on water, showing that physically I can bend the rules and break the rules because my government has more power. Than your laws of physics. This is why Jesus would raise the dead and heal the blind. He was saying, My government says that healing belongs to the believer, even when the doctors say that that's not possible. This thing shifts everything. So when we get to this Constitution, when we look at it literally by what it says, I'm going to give you examples to show you, even in my life, how this thing happened. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 3, he starts it this way. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, I'm not here for the religious people. I'd rather people that are poor in spirit, that don't have a lot of religion. Matter of fact, I'll take the atheist. I'll take the people who are in sin. As long as they turn around and believe, they can believe with such a freshness and such a newness that they can access this kingdom easier than the religious people can. Bless those who are poor in sin. Spirit, plus those who just believe God, just those who just believe God, who like a poor person. They just believe God to supply all their needs, and they don't look at what they have and what they don't have, or consider that if they give you something, they won't have enough for themselves. No, that's not how the government works, because this government is full, and uh, full of plenty and abundance. My God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. When you understand the government of God, and that you will be sustained. Then the kingdom of heaven is yours. Going on, it says. Then in verse four, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Every single one of us have accessed this part of the constitution of the government of God, whether you realize it or not. The Bible shows us that when you mourn, because you are His. He comforts you in your morning. That's why when you had that night where you spent your time crying yourself to sleep, somebody showed up, something came, an angel came, a breeze of the Holy Spirit came and comforted you. Somebody came and knocked on your door and said, I was just thinking about you. Somebody called you at the right time and says you are on my heart, and everything that you needed was right there in that conversation. It is a promise of the government of God. That's what you you just witnessed. It says when you mourn, you shall be comforted. Not maybe. This is a shall. So whenever you are going through pain, know that weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Verse 5 says, blessed are the meek, but they shall inherit the earth. That lets you know that this is an opposite of what the world will tell you. Those who meek get real estate. Those who are meek, those who are humble, God grants them with more stuff. Meekness gets you real estate in this government, not pride. Continuing on, verse 6, blessed are they who thirst and hunger after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, I need to spend a moment explaining this part, this verse because this is one of the most important verses in here. This is a seek first the kingdom verse. It simply says righteousness. First of all, let me break down what righteousness is. Righteousness, a lot of times we put it in the same category as holiness because they go hand in hand. Holiness and righteousness, that is true. They certainly go hand in hand, just like grace and mercy go hand in hand. But just like grace and mercy, they are not exactly the same thing. Righteousness could better be defined as the rights of a government, being in righteousness standing to get rights from this government of God. To quote Dr. Miles Monroe, that's how he quoted it. He said, righteousness means to be in right standing to receive rights from the government of God. When you are in line to receive these things, you can get the government to move on your behalf. How do you get righteousness? Well, it's not by your acts. It's not by your holiness. The Bible shows you in Romans chapter 4, Abraham's faith counted as righteousness. It did not say Abraham was righteous. It said his faith counted. Because he had faith, God counted it as righteousness. Well right here it tells you righteousness is the for those who want it. This is a seek first Scripture. The Bible says in Matthew 6:33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things that you need, your food, your money, your clothes, the things that you need, it says all those will be automatically added. This is why everybody wants the kingdom and don't even realize what it is they have because these things come to you automatically. We no longer have to fight and toil over what we're going to make, how we're going to survive, what we're going to get. God will sustain you all by himself without your help if you simply chase righteousness. He simply wants to know who wants this thing. I want the people who want it, the ones who seek first. It says, if you hunger and thirst for this thing, I'm going to give it to you. If you want this kingdom, I'm going to give it to you. See, let me break down how this thing works. Right before Christmas, I own a jewelry company. I sell jewelry. Right before Christmas time came, I was having a slow December, which is unusual. I don't only have a very great December. It's December. Preview people want to buy Christmas presents and things like that for their loved ones. So I am able to sell a lot of diamonds, pearls, all kinds of things. Well, this time may have been slow, but I didn't worry. I just faced God. I just continued to do things. Thanks for the Lord. I said, God, you'll take care of it. I finally got an order of a few pearls and a tennis bracelet, a diamond bracelet that somebody wanted. So I ordered the pearls. I ordered the bracelet. I told people, come in and pick it up a couple days before Christmas. It'll be here. Well, what something interesting happened. Everything broke. The pearl company sent me more than double of what I ordered, almost three. I think I ordered five or six pearls, and they sent me something like sixteen or seventeen sets. Just and I, they had an error, and they sent me so many more than I asked for. It was ridiculous. Then the diamond company intentionally doubled my order. They said, "Ah, right, we just figured you're going to sell some extra." Well, God knew what it was I needed because immediately people just showed up and bought every. The single item I had. I didn't, in 48 hours, I was completely cleaned out. I didn't have anything left, and I would not have had that based on my own order. But God, the kingdom of God, knew what I needed, knew what was coming, more than I, I knew what was coming, and he took care of it. Why? I seek the kingdom, and the kingdom then became responsible for all the other stuff. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom and its righteousness, and all these things, what things? Your money, your time, your things that you need, those will be automatically added and you no longer are responsible for taking care of yourself because the kingdom of God is now taking care of you. This is how it works. And it says if you chase this righteousness, if you chase after these rights, you shall be Filled. Moving on, verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Ooh, I can talk about this one for a while. I won't go too far, but let me break this thing down just so you have understanding. There's a time period in my life, just uh, several years ago, where quite a few people owed me money. And one brother was. I uh, got to a business deal with him. The business deal went south. It just didn't work out, and now he ended up owing me several grand. He paid me back a little bit, but he couldn't pay me back the whole thing. Now, a lot of people would then get mad, and they would get upset, and they would get sour with a brother that owed them several thousand dollars. However, I trust him what the Bible says. God says, lend and give freely, and then this is what he says. He says, don't ask for it back. Wait, what? Is that in the Bible? Oh, yeah, it's in there. Jesus says, when you lend... Don't expect it back. So I do exactly what God said. Now I needed that money. I was in, in my own bind. I was in my own situation. I was looking at bankruptcy at said one point. I, I needed these funds. But not only did I forgive the brother, I met him in the parking lot and said, "You good? Don't worry. Matter of fact, let me just make sure you okay. Is there anything I can do for you?" Why? Because my Bible says he'll take care of me, and I trust exactly what he says, exactly how he says, and I never thought about it again. I literally never considered that money again. The only reason it's on my mind now is because of a testimony. See, out of all the people that you think God would bless, God blessed that brother, that brother, and many other many people around me, God has blessed to become millionaires. But he's one of them. This brother that owed me several thousand dollars back in the day became a multi-millionaire, like five or six or seven other of my, of my friends. God's been br- producing blessings all around me, to be quite honest. And that same brother has come to me in the past year and sold into me, and bought jewelry, and sent other customers to buy jewelry, and bought more things, and bought watches, and bought all kinds of things to the tune of 6 Figures, Well, well, over $100,000 that brother has spent with me in the past 12 months. Now, imagine if I had not operated under the kingdom of God, but I had operated under the kingdom of capitalism, a kingdom of America, the way that we're trained. You owe me money, you're going to have to pay me. I'm going to have to put you on a payment plan. I'm going to have to take you to court. I'm going to have something to say about you. But that's not what God said. God said, forgive it and move on. Now, how was I to know? that five, six, seven years later, this brother will have so much money, he'll be funding my stuff. I would have never seen it had I not believed in this government. The Bible says, blessed are the merciful, for those are the ones that shall obtain mercy. I'll give you an even crazier example, and now we're going to get real wild. I, I had a home. I don't even recommend this. I'm telling you this, and I don't recommend it for myself. But I had a home. And which I was renting out, and I, had a, I went through a bunch of bad renters, and God didn't ever let me go after any of them. He just said, forgive them and let them go, so I did. But then I had one set of renters. They had been good for a little while. They paid for a while. Then all of a sudden they went crazy and they stopped. And then I started getting calls from the neighbors and how they were treating my home. It was in another state. It was a luxury home, but apparently these people didn't understand what a luxury home was. They were hoarding animals. In the home according to the neighbors there were over ten dogs that were in the house and according to the neighbors then none of them had ever seen any of the dogs come out of the house meaning whatever they were doing using the bathroom and everything was happening in my home. Then they said there was a pig, and they said it wasn't just any pig. It was the biggest pig anybody had ever seen. Now, they say the pig stayed outside. I don't know. I never saw any of this. All I know is that people stopped paying their money. They started ignoring me. They started attacking me as if I had done something wrong to them. They trashed my home. They let animals run all through it to the point when they finally moved out. And I went and visited the home to see if it was salvageable. The smell was so bad, I couldn't even get cleaning companies to come up halfway up the driveway. Because once you got halfway through the driveway, the stench from the inside of the house hit you so bad, they wouldn't even wear a gas mask and walk in. It was that bad. When I pulled up, the garage door was hanging off the garage sideways. They had trashed my home. And not only that, Somebody must have called them and let them know I was there trying to figure out how to clean it. I don't know what's going on. All I know is they came back. They called the police on me as if I were robbing my own house, trying to get me shot, I guess. A black man walking up to a house, and they said I'm breaking in. So the police showing up with hands on guns, and then they pull up and proceed to cuss me out as if I had done something them. And then God still said, let them go and don't take them to court. What? <laughs> I ended up losing that home, and God said, let them go. And I walked away. I didn't say a mumbling word. I didn't attack them. I didn't bring them to court. God said, blessed are the merciful. It was maybe two or three months later that God had court switch up everything that they were going to do and wipe out over $300,000 of debt that I had, and removed that home. They took away the debt. They took away the, the home to where the home wasn't even shown on my credit report. And this is the crazy part. My credit score stayed in the 700. Who? How? How do you walk away from three hundred thousand dollars at a home? The home don't show up, it's foreclosed, going on, on your credit report. Everything is removed, and your credit's still good. I was still able to get anything I want. Within a year, I was back in the eight hundreds. you understand? Twelve months later, my credit score was in the eight hundreds. This doesn't make sense, except. God said, this is part of the government of my government, my constitution. If I can find somebody to literally believe this thing the way that it's written, you'll actually see the access powers that you haven't accessed before. The reason you ain't seeing this stuff is because you're not operating under the kingdom of God. You're not operating under the constitution in which he gave you. He said, forgive and watch what I'll do. I'll break the system. The same way I walk toward water, I will break the rules of physics, and what applies to everybody else won't apply to you. You will simply be blessed. The man that owed me money has given me six figures worth of income. You'll simply be blessed when you follow these rules. When You, you all understand how seriously I take this. Because of another situation I was in, with somebody that did something wrong in my name, uh, I almost ended up going to court for a company wanting money from me that I did not owe. And I was on my way to court. I think it was $15,000. I don't remember exactly. I think it was 15000 I didn't have it at the time, but I was going. And if they would have said, hey, Presley, you actually owe this money. We want you to pay. Now, I didn't owe it. But I was on my way. I, went, I remember on the, the day before I went to court, I went to my Sunday school class. I was teaching Sunday school class. And I proclaimed up front, gladly. I said, I hope I don't have to pay this money. However, if they tell me I'm going to have to pay it, I'm not going to give them 15 i am going to give them 20000 Wait, what? You sound crazy. Preston. What do you mean you're going to give them 20000 Well, my Bible says if they sue you and take your shirt, give them your coat, too. That's exactly what the Constitution says. I've never seen anybody do that. I have no idea what's going to happen if somebody does that. Presley, you sound like you off the of deep end. Do I? A man that owed me $2,000 paid me almost $200,000 5 years later. Do I? I forgave people who caused me to lose my home, and the home didn't even hit my credit report, and I got forgiven $300,000. Do I still sound crazy? I believe in this government of God. I have no idea what would have happened, because when I got to court, they waived the whole thing. But had they asked me for it, I'd have gave them the fifteen, and I'd have borrowed it if I had to, and gave them five more, just so I can see. Because I ain't never had nobody do this before. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I believe in it enough to know something will happen. And I know I'll be blessed, and I know He'll pay it. That's how we're supposed to believe in this government. Jesus said also in Matthew 13 this government is so valuable that it's like a man who finds a treasure in a field, but he does not own that field. So he buries the treasure back, sells everything he has again just to buy the entire field so he can get that treasure. The mindset that we're supposed to have is that this thing is so good that I will give up everything to Find it. Think about it all the way back to the Old Testament. Jacob and Esau. What in the world made Jacob qualify to become Israel over his brother Esau when Esau was the firstborn? Why? Jacob was a liar and a trickster. His name meant lie. He was was a liar from the beginning. What qualified for him for it? Cause he wanted it. Esau was willing to give it up over a bowl of stew, but Jacob understood the value of the blessing, and he said, "If I have to fight, yell, scream, and lie to get this thing, I'm going to go after this thing." And Jesus said, "God ended up showing, hey, I may not have been for the lion. You may end up getting tricked yourself because of some of the ways that you live. But I'm going to give you the kingdom because I want the people who want it. If you chase after this, blessed are." those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. It did not say blessed are those who are righteous. It said the ones who want to be righteous, I'm going to fill you. Blessed are those who chase after this kingdom first. There is the kingdom of heaven. When you read through this thing and you continue to read through your constitution, it ends by saying rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven even when you go through persecution. You should even be excited about being persecuted for God's sake because then the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is yours and he will move. I have seen this happen time and time in my life. Guys, I just got to be a testimony. I have I've had atheists come up to me and say, we don't believe in that Jesus stuff, but we have tried to set you up. We have set up traps. We have messed with your name. We have done all kinds of things. And for some reason, every single time we set up a trap, it lands on us, and you end up elevated. We have had entire discussions, and we have come to the conclusion that this is not possible for this to be a coincidence. What is your secret? It can't be that Jesus stuff, can it? They have come to me and said, we see miracles and we don't understand it. Please help me understand what's going on. I've had a woman demote me from a huge position to a lowly position, a huge store to a lowly store, persecution. But I went through it in faith with God, and I watched And everybody around watched as God turned that horrible store that had been the dead last in every category into number one in the nation the moment I arrived. And I didn't do anything special but sit there and take orders. I went from dead last to number one to where vice presidents were visiting me. They fired her trying to promote me. Why? Because the Bible says when you go through persecution, rejoice because the kingdom of Heaven is yours. When you find this thing, you'll realize this is the only thing you have ever wanted. Somebody just lift your hands, open your mouths, and I hope I have encouraged somebody with this word today. Praise the name of the Lord and chase after this kingdom. Let the old die now in 2022 and move into 2023 with a new revelation, a new faith, a new inspiration, a chasing after the righteousness and the kingdom of our God. I hope you have been blessed on this day. God bless you.
0: Did you enjoy that word? Oh, my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank God for Elder Anthony Presley. Hallelujah. 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 A mighty man of God. He's a businessman. Hallelujah. And an elder in the Church of God in Christ. Anointed vessel of God. We thank God for him, for allowing God, Holy Spirit, to use him doing this consecration to encourage the body of Christ. Hallelujah. We are here to encourage the body of Christ to equip the body of Christ and to win souls for the kingdom of God hallelujah reaching the lost at any cost are you willing to join us are you willing to tell somebody that Jesus saved are you willing to let somebody know that Jesus loves them and that there is nothing that they can do about it God is not changing his mind he already predestined them and their life do not take God by surprise this is faith talk podcast I am your host lolita jones i'm just excited because i know our redeemer liveth and we have entered into 2023 and we going to spread the good news throughout this earth hallelujah to encourage people to encourage the encourage the body of christ To lift up our leaders in prayer, we thank God for Elder Anthony Presley for blessing us on this evening. We thank God for him. Continue to tune in to Faith Talk Podcast because God has many things on our horizon. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I ask you to like our Facebook page, Life Changers Ministries, LCM, right there on Facebook. You can find us. We are in purple and yellow writing. You can find us right there. Like our page. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, we ask you also to visit us on our website, lolitajoneslive.com, L-O-L-I-T-A-J-O-N-E-S-L-I-V-E.com. There you will find daily devotions to encourage you, to build you up, that you can share with your families and your friends and even your enemies. It is from the word of God. God downloads it to me every morning and I give it to the people I, I personally Text over um, a couple of hundred of people, a couple of hundred of people every morning, texting them morning devotions to get their day jump started, knowing that God is on their side. I ask you to partner with us, partner with us because we are on the move for the kingdom of God. We're on a mission to reach souls. For the kingdom of God. We thank you for joining us right here on Faith Talk Ministries. And until the next time, continue to enjoy the blessings of the Lord. God bless you.